Welcome to the Art of Leadership. My name is Nina Ellison, and I am your host for this educational podcast. In addition to the hard skills we learn that contribute to our professions, our business, our organizations, and, and even our home life, the balance of soft skills is critical during times of crisis. Today, I can't wait to share more about the soft skills that support you as you engage in the benefits of micro-resilience. You may recall that micro-resilience is the idea that there are little changes you can choose that will add value to your effectiveness while you're in the middle of intense work. These micro changes can help sustain you as you seek to stay the course during a crisis when there's no definite end in sight. Last week, I talked about the first of five frameworks within microresilience, shared by author Bonnie St. John. When Bonnie was five years old, she had her right leg amputated below the knee. And she introduces herself as the one-legged black woman snow skier from San Diego, California, who had no money and no snow. And yet she went on to excel as an athlete and competed in the 1984 Winter Paralympics, where she won two bronze medals and a silver medal, becoming the second fastest woman in the world on one leg in that year. The goal of this podcast series is to share moment-by-moment practical tips that can be life-altering in your sustainability as a leader. Last week, the tips focused on how to keep from getting mentally overwhelmed and ways to manage your decision fatigue. Today, within a second framework called Resetting Your Primitive Alarms, I will share tips on how to separate yourself from the emotional overload you may be experiencing. I have to tell you that when I first read Bonnie's idea of resetting your primitive alarms, my thoughts went back to the ideas of a caveman being faced with an upright, hungry, growling bear with his sharp yellow teeth bared, ready to attack. The caveman's primitive alarm ringing loudly as he takes a second to consider should he fight? Or should he run as fast as his legs will carry him? The more I thought about primitive alarms, there are still times today when a physical primitive response is needed. I recall working in a country during a civil war. As the incoming army moved through the nearby village, they shot rocket-propelled grenades into homes as they came to them, killing everyone they could. In one home, a young teenager, alone in his room, saw what was happening and in less than a second decided to throw himself out of his second story window. Running away, even though he had broken his leg, he turned back briefly just in time to see the rest of his family being blown up. He then slowly made his way to our home where we heard his story and sought ways to help him. The physical response of this young man is an example of the primitive response needed 
for immediate survival. Our brain is designed to use this function in, in these rare times. But there is so much more we can learn about how to reset these alarms and use them for more than the initial primitive response needed for our survival. If you put the pads of your fingers onto your temples, you know that you're not far from the parts of your brain called your temporal lobes. Within the temporal lobes are small almond-shaped masses that are called your amygdala. The amygdala is the part of your brain that scans for possible threats like, like bears or like enemy soldiers. In fact, if you perceive a threat, something that even makes you angry or, or anxious, the reaction that you give is triggered often by the amygdala. And yet the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, the one that's the front part of your brain, are connected in a way that allows you to exercise some conscious control over these emotions. So during a crisis, uh, there may be times when you start recognizing that you are overreacting to the stress that you're facing. Maybe you might be thinking, wait a minute, this is crazy. I don't lead like this, or, or this is not normally how I behave. I, I feel like I'm all over the place. If you're experiencing those kind of thoughts, you have been hijacked by your amygdala. Or maybe a better way to say it is that you are being emotionally hijacked. The amygdala hijack is a term that was coined over 25 years ago by Daniel Goleman, who wrote a book and did a lot of research on emotional intelligence. Every leader needs to be aware of this potential of getting hijacked by their amygdala. Okay, so we're talking about it, now we're aware of it. So what do we do? How can we adjust? How can we get off the roller coaster ride? One common tip that many people are aware of that is also in Bonnie's book on micro-resilience that, that you can apply right now, today, in the moment, is an idea called labeling and relabeling. There's two parts to it. And I wanna share more about this as I share a story in my own life. Years ago, I remember working during a natural disaster uh, with flooding. Uh, the leader that I reported to was not on site, but was working from the home office uh, to keep the bigger picture, being able to organize supplies, being able to be able to see uh, all that was needed across the entire project. What I was experiencing on the ground was that the requests, the updates, the changes to work plans were coming in at a regular pace throughout each day. And so one evening after a, a particularly difficult day, I got one last text message and my emotions took over. I guess you could say I got hijacked by my amygdala because I, I could I could hardly communicate. I, I was so I was so I couldn't even express how so I was for a while. And then I thought, well is it that I'm 
frustrated or what is it that I'm experiencing? And, and then I paused long enough to say, okay, identify what this is. And I realized I was feeling insufficient. That because everything was changing so fast, I felt like I wasn't leading sufficiently. So once I labeled it, that what I was feeling was feeling insufficient, then I took a second more to relabel and to change my mindset. And, and what I said to myself was, I, I am a capable leader. And so that night, as I, as I crawled into my tent, I reminded myself as the next day got started that I am not insufficient. I am a capable leader. So early the next morning, the, the text messages and the emails started again. And so I picked up the phone. And as I spoke with the leader, uh, I shared that these are the top priorities we have scheduled based on the feedback that you're giving based on what we see happening here right in front of us. And these priorities would probably keep us busy for, for the day for the next 12 hours or so. What we could do is connect in the middle of the day and see if we're still aligned on priorities, see if we need to adjust. And so we, we agreed. Um, you know, I had a lot of respect for this leader. And I realized that this person was working just as hard to support me as I was working to try and support the team that was there helping the thousands of people that were impacted by this flood. And so we agreed and I got off the phone. And as I turned around and I looked at the team and I realized, okay, I know that nothing has changed. There is still all the things with thousands of people that are displaced, all the things that are needed with clean water, with food, all those things still existed but my level of emotions were far lower. I had actually distanced myself from the emotions. And the other thing that hadn't changed is the email and the texts keep, kept coming on throughout the day. And yet I didn't get to that point again of being hijacked my, by my emotions. Instead, I kept telling myself, I am a capable leader and I'm gonna have a, a recognition that this person that's sending all these messages to me is desirous to keep me informed of what's going on. The reality is that in any crisis, there is always a challenging balance when elements of surplus and insufficiency coexist with extraordinary variability. There's too many people for too little food, too many with acute illnesses, too few hospital supplies, too many emails and too little time to read or process the information being given. And, and I could go on. This balance of surplus and insufficiency in a crisis can take over um, as you seek to try and, and walk through times that are challenging like this. These, these are viable concerns that every leader should sense the tension, should sense the emotion. And, and with this intensity, there, there may come times where you realize your emotions have gone into overdrive. Like I shared when I was there that evening and that last text literally threw me into overdrive. You, you may feel that your wheels are spinning and that your emotions are all over the place. And having an influence, a serious influence on your thinking and your actions. And I want to pause and say that my focus in this whole discussion around our emotions 
is not to discuss whether the emotions you're having are right or wrong, but rather to take the emotions that you are having and use them as a resource to help you during times of difficulties and crisis. I just shared a time when I saw that labeling my emotions could, could be so helpful in the midst of a high intensity situation, high intensity situation. You know, a quick labeling of emotions could sound something like this. If you pause and, and do some self-talk, you might find yourself saying stuff like, right now, I'm angry or I'm anxious or I'm frustrated. If there's another moment to reflect, you could even take it a step further. The, the better you can label your emotion, the more you can distance yourself from the feelings that are hijacking you. In just a microsecond of time, you can choose to separate yourself from the emotion that is vying for control. Taking a step further to label your emotions might, might add, uh, instead of just saying, I'm just angry, thinking through, I'm, I'm angry because the supplies that I need are not available. Or perhaps I'm anxious because I can't seem to get focused. I'm not as clear-headed a leader as I know I need to be with so much happening. Or, or perhaps I'm frustrated but I'm frustrated because the systems and the processes are not adjusting as quickly as needed. Using whatever time you have in the moment, when you clearly give a label to a specific emotion, you have started the process of distancing yourself from that emotion. And then moving forward with relabeling, becomes a, a thoughtful mind shift. Relabeling your emotions moves you forward. You're not changing how you feel, but you're changing what the emotion means to you and you're gaining control of your perspective. So as you relabel, you go one step further and you tell yourself statements such as, I know I'm angry, but I want to relabel my anger. And I want to tell myself, actually, I know that I'm a really curious leader. I want to understand what's going on and what I can do so that I can help to lead not only myself, but lead the folks that I'm responsible for, that I'm accountable to, into dealing with the kind of things that are happening that are making me angry. Or perhaps if I've identified anxiety, I can say, okay, I want to I relabel my anxiety. I know that I'm actually a courageous leader. I'm willing to stand up for the things that need to be done. And so I want to shift this anxiety towards tapping into the, the courageousness that I know is a part of my leadership. Or, or perhaps I want to relabel my frustration. I, I, I know that I'm frustrated. But I also know that I am a leader who can seek creative solutions. And so I want to tap into that creativity that I have to see if I can't seek what is needed to deal with these things that are frustrating me. 
you know, in the moments that are taken to label and relabel emotions, what you've done from a science point of view is you've actually supported your pre, your prefrontal cortex to come to the foreground. And, and you're ready to move forward rather than continue this spiral where your emotions are driving you, where you're getting that amygdala hijack that we talked about. I don't want to mislead you. I don't want you to think this is like a lesson in positivity because the problems are still as intense. The reality is still as raw. What's changed is that you have poised yourself to lead more effectively. And over time, you will find yourself helping others who find themselves in this emotional quagmire. In closing, I'd like to offer a practical, positive opportunity that will advance your team's growth during this time of crisis. A way to step back for one hour a week to share and process thoughts. What I'm referring to is a mastermind experience. This month, the mastermind experience I'm facilitating is called Leading Through Crisis, Staying the Course. Does this idea intrigue you? Are you leading a group that you'd like to offer a mastermind growth experience to? If so, head to my website at www.healthyleadership.online forward slash home and schedule a brief complimentary call. I'd love to learn more about how I can support you and your team during these challenging days. Audio.